everybody back to the domcast episode 47 we are here on cinco de mayo this is a thursday night shout out to y'all if you celebrated we are here where there are eight teams remaining in the playoffs two of them are already halfway out and the other two are in what looks like a goal i man it doesn't matter if i say it or not like the playoffs are so random i'm about to say these series look like they're going to be dog fights but then one of them could easily just end up being a five game series ah but as I look at the results of game two, I doubt that either series is going that way. No, this is going to be a good pod. You can already tell. I'm, I'm in the intro debating myself about the way these series are going to go. We are a far, far way away from the days that there were no there was no parody and we just kind of knew what was going to happen. We knew who was getting to the finals. Boy, never want to see it again. If you have enjoyed supporting this podcast throughout the season, please make sure to hit the like button on YouTube, rate it on Spotify, rate it on Apple Podcasts. We've made it to around 800 ratings on Spotify, which is lit. Hopefully at some point, you know, in like the next two months or something, we can get to like a thousand. I don't know even what, what even happens when you get to a thousand. Does Spotify like, like, okay, you're, you're actually legit now. We'll start showing your, your pod to new viewers. I, I don't know. Either way, I appreciate the support regardless. This has been fun. It has been fun all season. It has especially been fun throughout the playoffs. Uh, the last one I did was last Saturday. As I said, I kind of figured I would uh, approach these pods and be doing like, you know, I would wait until the series was halfway over or some of the way over instead of just doing it game by game because I feel like they aged very, very quickly when I did it that way. So if you have not been paying full attention, this is Thursday where there's no games. So everything's been on pause. Phoenix and Dallas 2-0, Miami and Philly 2-0 Miami's way. Golden State and Memphis tied. That's the one, man. That is the one. And Milwaukee and Boston tied. That is also the one. Where do we start, though? Um... I normally start these. Let's start where I don't have a whole lot to say because I don't just go the quickest. I can get a few jump shots up here. Just just get into a, you know, get into a rhythm, warm up a bit. Miami and Philly. Because this is already the series that coming into it we didn't have high expectations for. Knew that Joel Embiid would be out because Pascal Siakam viciously injured them. No, he didn't. I'm sounding like <laughs> no, I, I I'm impartial to these these series i'm neutral on them i'm not a supporter of philly not a supporter of toronto in that situation but siakam did hit him with a mean elbow it uh get it concussed him which cost him five days right off the bat i got the uh orbital bone which is an injury that he had already had but it took him three weeks to come back and then he was wearing a mask so the hope was that Embiid would be available for games three or four at the moment you know i actually saw conflicting things but i don't even know why it's conflicting because when I saw it from Shams, Shams said he's not going to be available. And I'm going to look just to make sure, but he made it sound like Embiid is not coming back. Yeah. So it says the Sixers are listing Joel Embiid is out for game three on Friday. Then I said, <laughs> this just gets so funny. Uh, by the way, Draymond Green got 25K for his middle finger. Yes, that's becoming a thing. Players are fed up with fans. Um, Draymond did stick middle fingers at the crowd, but we'll get to that when that series happens. Yes, Joel Embiid is not supposed to play in game three. Some think that they're just listing him as out now and he might be upgraded to like questionable or probable and then he'll come back. Uh, I can no Dr. Dom. I reiterate that do not have a uh, degree in in sports medicine or any of that so i only ever have the information with what i am told uh either way my original prediction for this series was miami and five and it had a lot to do with Embiid's injury that's j just plainly and i think it's because of what you saw in games one and two philly is in a bad situation without joel Embiid. not news right don't have your mvp 
uh, caliber player. You don't have your, I'm assuming he's going to be runner-up. So you don't have your runner-up MVP, arguably best big man in the league. It's going to be problems, but that's not, it's, it's not just that you're missing him. It's the matchup that you have with Miami. And it's the fact that you don't have any acceptable replacement. It's so bad. In fact, they have been starting DeAndre Jordan in the year 2022 of our beloved Lord and Savior. He's getting playoff minutes. This has been the topic of discussion. I know there was a video that came out actually supporting DeAndre Jordan. Of course, most of the, the commentary behind it has been negative. And uh, DeAndre Jordan talking this podcast is just funny because if you if you rewind a year to when I was doing barbershop talks, we were, I think it, it might have actually even been the podcast when we were talking about DJ and just how incredibly washed he is. Look, on one hand, the Sixers kind of don't have a choice. And then on another, I should say Doc doesn't have a choice. And then on the other, it's a thing where, man, I would rather try my luck with anybody on the floor than DeAndre Jordan, which they basically do. Uh, he played 17 minutes in game one, I believe, and 13 in game two. So there was a reduction. But when I saw that he was starting, I was just going, OK, you know what's going to happen here. They are going to attack him. They're going to put him in PNR, even if it's not that if it's an action that just breaks down the defense because someone was headed in his general direction, swing the ball. All of a sudden, somebody has an open three or open open drive to the basket. That, that's just the thing that's going to happen when he's on the floor, because the only thing that you could even maybe hope for him to do, uh, especially on a pick and roll. Well, first of all, maybe because they have been using a lot of zones, so maybe hope he does his job in zone. But in pick and roll, you could just hope that he doesn't end up getting blown by. Because at the end of the day, the man is still, what, pretty much seven feet tall. He has a crazy wingspan. If you go straight up on him, he can still block some shots. But that's it. That's that's the only thing. And big men's job are so much more than just blocking shots in today's league. So anyways, I don't need to rehash why. I don't need to rehash the, the DeAndre Jordan script from when he was with Brooklyn. He's just, Brooklyn got the memo. They didn't play him. They went out not playing him last year in the playoffs. I don't think he saw a single minute. Um... If you're Doc, you look and go, well, we're playing Bam out of bio, playing a team that has guys who can get to the rim. Our options after DJ are Paul Reed, who, yes, as we said, because I remember we had this discussion about Paul Reed probably a, a little bit before the season ended. We're talking about Paul Reed and how he fouls a lot. So, yeah, he, he will foul a lot. Your options are Paul Millsap, which I am not exactly sure how much better that is than DeAndre Jordan. Like, on, on, at least on offense, I know DJ is going to still catch a lob. Like I said, he can go vertical, so he'll still catch a lob if you throw it to him. If you break down defense and he's chilling around the rim, he'll, he'll catch a lob. I'm not sure uh, these days what Paul Millsap is. Like I said, Paul Millsap was in series featuring Tracy McGrady before he completely broke down and the We Believe Warriors. So uh, getting playoff minutes from him in 2022 is not a great option. Then after that, Charles Bassey from the G League. I'm also not sure how great that of an option that is. Um, for those of y'all that didn't know, Paul Reed was the G League MVP the year before this season. So you put him on the court and I, I agree with more minutes throughout the season he could have probably been further along in the development process probably look a little bit better in these situations where they could really use more of his minutes right now uh but still i just there's a there's a gap right as much as i will always say there's a ton of talent in the g league there's a clear gap <laughs> there's definitely a gap so yeah your your options are right now pretty raw g league guys or very very old guys who should probably just be at home 
it's a bad situation, man. It's a bad situation if you're Philly. In game one, they held on longer than I thought they could because Miami immediately made DeAndre Jordan a target. And then Doc took him out and went the zone. And Philly's zone is interesting because it has done its job a couple of times. When Toronto was trying to reverse sweep them in game six, that was basically, that was part of what shut them out. Aside from Tyrese Maxey just getting loose and, and hitting threes that pretty much put the game out of reach for the scores that Toronto had, it was that zone. Uh, they just started, they were essentially damned to swinging the ball around and not having anybody who could complete the play. And so if it wasn't Siakam making a nice move inside or uh, just, you know, it, basically that, they, there was nothing. Scotty Barnes not a three-point shooter yet. They didn't really have great three-point shooters to begin with, so it was tough. You go against Miami with this zone, and they hung on. And this is where it sucks because, well, amongst other things, first of all, that game one, they had everything going that they needed to. They had Tobias Harris going. Um, that, that's that's one thing, which is always a wild card. What are you going to get from him? And he's improved his play. So having him going is one. And what you can get from Tyrese Maxey, as we said, I think we established that it, regardless of what you're using Harden for, a lot of that dynamite scoring that you used to get from Harden kind of feels like it's fallen upon Maxey's shoulders because Harden is clearly uh, hindered at the moment. And so you had that in the first half. You had the defense, but then it becomes a game of trying to hang on. And I'm not blaming Harden because the support pieces are outside of uh, uh, Tobias Harris and I believe Maxey. Like outside of that, there was literally nothing happening. <laughs> not all blame on Harden but it's just the fact that he's not where he was physically so he's not the guy you can just say you know just materialize 35 points for us that used to be him and it's not anymore um like if he's if he's having trouble blowing by guys like Max Struess on a play or and it's not even just a uh, Max Struess it's the fact that again Miami has defenders that they're gonna throw at him like really really capable defenders that they're gonna throw at him Harden will still get some buckets it's just not, it's a step below what it used to be and so without Joel Embiid that's a big issue because they need him to be able to materialize 35 37 points I, I think to, to win without him and they haven't gotten that in the first game it wasn't great second game a little bit better but still not great it's just like sort of this mid-level Harden that we've had and with this Philly roster and what Miami can exploit it's a problem like rebounding rebounding without even looking what the rebounding total was i'm pretty sure just from what i watched and definitely in game one miami was um using the fact that they couldn't have any size on the floor against them i know there were plays i specifically one where out of bio had like two or three offensive rebounds what do you expect there's again their size is deandre jordan that's their size that, that that's it um, that's their option <laughs> and it comes with clear hindrances and so when Miami plays them off the floor inevitably now you're dealing with that problem but uh, should I get to the but yeah I'll wait I'll wait till the end uh, to get to that which is probably coming in a few seconds here basically Philly can maybe make a, a you know two quarters or close to two quarters really competitive but reality eventually sets in you can only zone up so much to, to keep a team from getting loose before Tyler Hero comes in and cuts that up or literally a couple of threes fall and now they've got the distance that they need to you know keep it that way for the rest of the game you can only ask so much of Tyrese Maxey and when you're not getting much from other support pieces and what other how many other support pieces do you really have that are built to play on this team without Embiid it's just it's extremely difficult so going into the series right now the information we have is that Embiid won't play 
I don't currently have reason to believe that game three will go any differently. Even if Philly keeps it competitive for, let's say, three quarters this time, feels like Miami is eventually going to be, over, be able to overpower them. And that is probably the recipe for how they go up 3-0. At that point, if you're up 3-0, do you even put Embiid back on the floor for game four, knowing that his face is probably at risk? Knowing that the thumb, I'm sure he's probably going to end up getting surgery on. Like, do you really put him on the floor and, and reset? You're not coming back from 0-3. We just saw Toronto try it. As close as they got, teams always run at the gas trying to come back 0-3. It's pretty much how it's always been. Don't see it being different here. Who, who did we have that question with, actually? Um... Gosh, in, in the first round, was it Luca we were talking about? Or I don't know. One of these series was basically that scenario. Do you? Oh, oh, yeah. Ben Simmons. There you go. Who, by the way, is having surgery and should be ready for uh, camp next year. Back surgery he's having. So just a little note there. That's all we really have to say about that. So, yeah, it's not a great prospect for Philly. But, 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 but if they did have Embiid and if they had been able to bring him back or if they are able to bring him back for game three, Things could get a little bit different because, again, it's not much since it's one half, but at least having Embiid for one. Well, first of all, you get Embiid and we don't know. We can't guess with injuries which one you would get, but let's just hope for the best and assume you get one that Miami is going to have to deal with. That's one. Two, you don't you no longer have the problem where you basically just have to have DeAndre Jordan survive because you know what? You know what having DeAndre Jordan on the floor is like, and I'm sorry to go back to this, but I had to put the analogy in because I totally forgot. It's literally Vegeta holding time for Goku uh, against Kid Buu. That's literally it. While Goku is charging and you know you basically have to keep him safe, Vegeta's just getting his ass beat all up and down the floor for however long. That's DeAndre Jordan six minutes. That, that's all you need. If you're not watching these games, that's all you need to know. Whatever positive thing somebody can find to say about him, I promise you they're not positive enough for Miami to not take advantage of them if we're really to win the series. Um, he's playing out there pretty much because he has to. And at least you, you bring Joel Embiid back, and all of a sudden you don't have to start DJ. Hell, you might not have to play DJ at that point, which is a great thing because that takes away something that Miami can attack. Uh, positive thing about that, is the more you can take off the table for Philly, or the more you can take off the table for Miami, all of a sudden it's a competitive series. Cause where I was going with it was Philly can keep it competitive up to a certain point, but Miami, I'm looking at them a little bit funny now going into a series past this. Cause right now we can admit they haven't really played a great team yet. We could do that, right? Without being biased or having narratives. They played Atlanta, Trey Young. That was a pretty, once you took, you used your, pretty much your best asset in perimeter defense to take Trey Young out of that series and you won it. That was pretty easy. You go to Philly, you're playing without Joel Embiid. We just went over the whole DeAndre Jordan thing. It's a very easy thing for you to, to do there. Given that the hardest thing they've faced so far has been a couple of quarters of Philly's own. That's the toughest challenge that they have had so far. And when I see that, I'm going, huh, a team that's more capable than Philly that can make Miami's offense basically go brain dead for a quarter or two. Or maybe that's an exaggeration, but for long stretches, let's just let's just say that and that can make Miami's offense just stall and just stall for uh, you know, a good stretch of time and then hurt them on the other end, that gets interesting all of a sudden. That gets really interesting. Because on the other hand, Philly has found ways for Tyrese Maxey to be effective, albeit it's in these games that end 
and not really close so you don't you know you're not thinking about it much but you have maxi being effective for james harden at this point and i'm just gonna start saying in his career at this point in his career using him for what i assumed you would be using him for if you could go on and contend the rest of this the rest of this bracket which is playmaking and having guys defend him like he's still Harden, so he can open up stuff for other shooters and he can make passes and transition he can still do all that so you can have him be effective in those ways and clearly this this black hole at the center position is is what hinders you but that the zone minutes and just looking at what happened in miami's offense during that and you know having tyler hero which by the way shout out to tyler hero for being six man of the year having to have tyler hero come in and solve things for you which is interesting because remember the victor oladipo point i've been talking about i'm looking and going victor oladipo you put him in a lineup uh you don't have in a certain lineups all of a sudden miami has got probably five good defenders out there five decent to good defenders out there and that works really well but they've needed in game one specifically tyler hero came out and really helped them but also i saw tobias harris going into his chest which a lot of people would do they're going to pick on tyler hero contending team is going to pick on tyler hero as much as they can and so that becomes fun that dynamic of tyler we need you uh, we need a hero if you will versus we can't have you just getting posted up and we can't have our defense collapsing because of you that little that that that's just, that's just one thing. That's just one game of Cat and Mouse that's going to be really fun against a better team that might be able to hang on a little bit longer. And uh, that's really all I'll say about it for now. Um, until we get into a series with Miami, you know, we're previewing them against the Bucks or Boston. It's kind of irrelevant at the moment. They still have to get out of this one. It's not irrelevant, actually. They will probably be playing one of those. Uh, but that's a that's the most relevant thing that I've generated. It's the most relevant thought I've ge- generated from the Philly series because I don't have much hope that they're going to be able to turn this around. If it if they had a had Embiid, um, you know that's obviously another pressure point. Unlike Maxi in different ways, uh, they could have probably gotten a couple of games and and really challenged Miami and really made this tough. So it's unfortunate. This is just, hey, this is just what basketball is. Literally, basketball is who said it. Steve Kerr said when they were trying to devalue his championships that he's won with Golden State, and he's saying you have to have everything go right damn near in a season. That you win a championship and if everything doesn't go right for you something else has to go wrong for the other team as well we've it's just all too common uh, i know as a celtics guy it's just all too common one moment boom entire season changes that's all i have to say about miami and philly if Embiid is not gonna make a timely return miami should promptly uh, make it to the conference finals without really being battle tested so that is gonna be interesting to see how that plays out but we do not know who we're predicting them against yet Let's just go ahead and drop down to this 1-1 series, Milwaukee and Boston. By the time this comes out, you still have a couple of days before that game gets played. I will not be doing a watch party for that one. Um, Mother's Day weekend, so I'm going to be away. But I'm going to be watching it, though. And I should be back for the uh, for the next game out of that series. Anyways, boy, boy, boy. Yo, man, y'all are some petty people, bro. Y'all are petty. Boston lost one game and... You would have thought Milwaukee won the damn series, bro. I'm talking everywhere on Twitter. It was just Boston isn't this. Da, da, da. My mentions were blowing up. And I was just like, yo, chill. It was that was game one. That was game one on their home floor. And they lost. And I saw a lot of definitive statements. But I ain't said nothing. I just bookmarked. Uh, I'm, I'm equally as petty. I'm not gonna lie. I just bookmarked. Uh, the good thing about being a YouTuber and not an NBA sports writer is I don't have to. 
like i don't have to try to suppress that i'm a fan of a certain team and i still i i will go through and, and talk about a team with and be as impartial as possible but it is it means basically i don't have to stop being petty like i'll, I'll be petty for boston i will be petty so i got plenty of good game one bookmarks that's that's great news anyways outside of that so game one was basically the oh see this is what happens when you play a real team even though before brooklyn was swept by boston i'm gonna say i was in the minority of that series saying that boston could pretty firmly win it i picked them in six which means um at a four two it's like yeah sure it could have gone seven but i was i feel like most people were saying this is a seven game series most people were saying the nets were gonna win it hell heat check on the pod with me thought that the nets were gonna win it and so that's just it, it's fun to it's that's definitely a fun thing when you lost game one and all of a sudden it's oh yeah you played the nuts okay anyways there were clear differences which again to the part about me being impartial you can go back and there are receipts of me saying yeah this is not this is not the nets and that's Kyrie and kd that was dealt with but already off the bat they were gonna have to try much harder with the honest to keep them out of the paint the fact that they were shooters everywhere is another thing the fact that they have better defenders and the fact that Giannis is an elite passer i named like four or five things and i still had people <laughs> in my watch party like oh this ain't the nuts i'm like did i not say it was not the nuts yeah no they're a better team than the nets they won the championship they've been healthy all year Giannis is the best player on the planet definitely not the nuts but even then this is the thing about looking at games as just result based and not process and looking at what actually happens because you look at game one i was happy uh for the most part with because with Giannis, i go in looking for any team saying you're not it's not 2019 even then i don't think they completely shut him out but either way my point is you're not going to completely take Giannis out of a game you're not going to completely take Giannis out you're not gonna come you know just have him disappear um he's gonna do something whether it's finding shooters whether it's getting your guys in foul trouble um, he's gonna have some authoritative plays you can only take him out as much as you can that's all you can do and what game one I, off the top of my head was that the nine of 25 game as far as his shooting and the layups he was missing and the the challenges the contest on his shots i was happy with that i was happy with that much i thought it was more important that damn uh their size you know the, those lineups that have portis in them and have brooke lopez in them boy brooke lopez is a much bigger problem than i thought he was gonna be not only is he still a excuse me a solid rim protector this guy is uh gonna present problems for rebounding especially the way boston plays defense like it's it's gonna be, i didn't i didn't account really for brooke lopez for anything other than possibly stretching the floor which as uh, asher pointed out that he yeah he'll make some threes and it looks pretty from for you know for a guy that tall hitting that type of that type of shot but also the percentages aren't that high it's not crazy but i also wouldn't go as far as to just be leaving him open either her roaming anyways we had that conversation so brooke lopez um yeah when you see bobby portis posted up on jalen brown you're like okay yeah this <laughs> this tall ball lineup that can shoot is actually kind of hell so it's things like that it's things like drew holiday being able to hit every single mark they needed him to hit in game one because without chris middleton that was the key to the series uh when i did the the predictions with asher i said drew holiday can't have uh cte games where <laughs> he's not playing great and he's not shooting great uh those games where we wondered where's drew and where's chris he can't have the where's drew games and in game one he was hitting his threes he was playing defense he just was hitting everything they needed him to hit and i knew from right then then that moment i was going okay yeah this is trouble because you've taken 
even if Giannis is not shooting great, you haven't taken enough else. Uh, you haven't taken enough elsewhere off the board to be comfortable. And then the offense wasn't going either. So that was that was trouble. But the trouble was not aside from Giannis throwing the ball off the backboard to himself, like in and one tournament. Uh, the problem was not necessarily Giannis was just dominating and Giannis was getting whatever he wanted. I, f I was happy with the contest. I was happy with the efforts there and it broke down sometimes. Sometimes Giannis is going to make a guy fall and, and just body up on the help defense and hit an and one. Those things are going to happen. But I was happy with that. And that's what carried over um, into game two. But before I get to game two, yes, game one did happen. Boston could never really get closer than six or eight points. Uh, Marcus Smart, I thought he dislocated his shoulder. I was ready to man. Because just like when Robert Williams got hurt and I thought he was going to be out for the playoff run, certain guys, you're not winning a championship without Robert Williams. Not really this Boston team. If anyone actually important goes out, they're not winning a championship. It's already uh, a thing where they have to endure some tough stretches. You're not winning a championship with with one of those guys uh, missing the entire playoff run. Either way, yes, Marcus Smart was in the damn Dragon Ball Z fight in game one, basically. And at a certain point, I just wanted them to take him out of the game because he was limping. And I was just thinking, man, I've seen this before, like a couple of couple of limps and then boom, season ending injury. So they escaped without that. He did not play game two, which made it particularly interesting because, oh, boy, now you get to game two, some more Derek White minutes, some more Peyton Pritchard minutes. What happens with Derek White? What do they do? No matter how many threes he hits, they play him like he's Ben Simmons. So that I was not optimistic about happening at all. Uh, and then even with Peyton Pritchard, that's he can come off the bench as a spark plug sometimes and hit threes. But especially in game one, I thought that Milwaukee was happy uh, to, to see a Peyton Pritchard led offense. Because if he's the one taking threes and they're open, sure, he's going to make some. But if you're getting five, six, or four to six Peyton Pritchard threes, that's that might just be one too many, especially if it's in close proximity. So Milwaukee will probably be happy with giving shots to other guys while Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown struggle, which in game one, Jalen Brown looked like an NPC. So that was another issue. Yeah, This reminds me of the, you remember the Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan show from when we were kids? That one more thing. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> that was a game one it was just a whole host of problems yeah Jalen Brown his lack of aggressive his his lack of aggressiveness against Brooklyn if it wasn't the four, fourth quarter I had been talking about how much that bothered me then you got to Milwaukee where it's much tougher defenders and I was just thinking damn this this if it, if this was a Jalen Brown you get that's where the buck stops because you cannot it, you cannot win with just Jason Tatum going off and and Jalen Brown pretty much being a bystander so that happened in game one he came on game two with a totally different vibe. It was beautiful. Um, first of all, his shot was actually falling, which really helped. The threes falling was a huge thing. Uh, and being aggressive overall, he was that might have been the most aggressive I've seen him in the playoffs, period. Actually, it was like a whole game of him. You remember what, what quarter when they put Blake Griffin on him just disrespectfully in game three, I believe it was of the first round. It felt like Jalen Brown had that type of mentality, but for pretty much like the whole entire first half. Enough for them to get that gigantic lead and they pulled away. But also, Giannis started what one for 10? And again, that's where I say game one, yes, there were some cool highlights, but I was mostly happy with the process of the defense on Giannis. A lot of other things happened to, to really put the game out of reach by the time it was in the fourth quarter. 
but I was happy with a lot of what happened. And you get to game two and Giannis has that super cold start and Boston has that really hot start. And then Giannis ends the night with, not, it was a little bit better of a shooting night, but not great. Hell, he started the game taking a three-pointer. I was happy with that because anytime you get Giannis to take a three, that's that comfort stuff. That To me, that's the, the where, you're, where you're comfortable. Uh, Giannis always wants to show that he can hit threes, but especially being up 1-0 and knowing that you kind of already came did what you came to Boston to do. Setting the tone with the three at the beginning, I really like it. Much rather that, much rather pull-ups on Al Horford, even if they're going to go in. Uh, much rather that stuff than him putting as much pressure as he can on the defense as possible, which if you have a 1-0 lead, you don't necessarily have to do anymore. Um, so, yeah, game two got out of hand really, really quickly. A lot of the, a lot more threes fell for Boston. Ball, uh, Milwaukee was trying to make some comebacks they looked like they could get the deficit down to something manageable boston would equally just they would respond with the three and it looked kind of like it did against the net series uh, just how good they were in the net series with their shot making is pretty much where it was there they secure game two without marcus smart they head the ball or they head to milwaukee tied so that is going to be great the rest of the way i would say boston no matter who goes off in milwaukee because even the defensive game plan in game one if Jalen Brown is doing something and if other guys are hitting shots, all of a sudden game one might look a little bit different. You get down, you finally get the deficit down to around six points. Maybe you end up coming back. The defensive process against Giannis right now is showing him a ton of bodies, making every look really, really hard. Robert Williams made a lot of his looks hard in game one. It's it's hard. It's hard because although this is Giannis's best mid-range shooting season, I still don't necessarily think his mid-range is great enough for him to win a playoff series against a, con a contending team just based off of that if his inside game is looking as rough as it has in the first two i don't think his mid-range game is is as re is reliable enough yet to just completely fall back on especially when you're missing your actual mid-range shooter in chris middleton so there's that drew holiday did not have a good shooting game in game two it's going to be a dogfight, bro. It's just, I, my prediction was Boston in seven. That's why when they lost game one and uh, Twitter just tripped over themselves, NBA Twitter and NBA, I, I don't even know about NBA media because I don't be paying attention to like first taking shit, but NBA Twitter just tripped over itself. And I was just thinking, man, regardless of who won that game, I thought this was going seven. I see the potential for this series to go seven. Next game, it's going to be, and what's interesting now is I'm, trying to take tidbits of what we've seen in other series and to thinking about how coaches think because memphis the uh, john morant basically struggled most of that series he had a couple of times where he could get loose but he struggled most of that series because minnesota kept doing the same thing the whole series to make him struggle and they were living with the results of whatever else happened and so with milwaukee i'm really interested with that because on one hand i'm thinking what are the what are the adjustments to maybe get Giannis going or whatever what, whatever the thought process is there. Boston is about to have the same defensive strategy. Uh, multiple bodies, help, tons of different contests. There's going to be very few times where he's able to just get exactly uh, exactly what he wants. He's going to get what he wants sometimes. But I'm talking about just one-on-one -on -one with somebody to the rim, easy layup, and one. Like That's not going to be that frequent if Boston sticks to their game plan. So if you get a bunch of like 36 38% shooting nights from Giannis, and at that point, all you need is other guys to not hit as many shots. Like maybe Drew Holiday, uh, if his threes don't fall. Uh, somebody else has an off night. It's it's kind of what you have to live with. Again, because they have so many shooters, it's kind of what you have to live with. But um, man, it, it's going to be fun. You know, part of one of the shooters that you would 
probably need out there is Grayson Allen. Uh, Grayson Allen, was he the one that went dancing with Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? One of them in game two hit the hit the deck. I think that was part of Jalen Brown getting his getting it going. Yeah, that's I, I'm just that point is is solely just for the fact that you need him out there. But he also might be something that you try to attack. Uh, it's it, man, it's going to be a war, bro. <laughs> Jason Tatum saw Drew Holiday and he saw Giannis and he saw Wes Matthews uh, in game one. It's not like it was with Brooklyn seeing three guard lineups that you could just fully take advantage of. It is going to be great. And I think it's still going to be a seven game series. So just keep that in mind, man. Unless one of these teams goes down 3 1 in the next week here, just, just keep that in mind. That's all I really have to say about that. Moving out to the West, uh, Phoenix and Dallas. It's one seems more or less predictable. I think a lot of what we talked about in the uh, predictions has come true. Phoenix is leading 2-0. And how far can Luka get you? That's really what you're looking at. Because Jalen Brunson is a chess piece that has more or less been moved. I don't want to say completely off the table. But up to these first two games, he has been he's been moved. <laughs> he's been moved. Um against a defense that doesn't fold by you just running past it against a defense that will make multiple rotations Jalen Brunson is having a harder time predictably very predictably but also that is getting Dallas to default to Luka a lot to start the games hell he's had some legendary starts to these games and obviously no one on Phoenix can guard him one-on-one -on -one. Chris Paul, that, that's a switch that Luka has hunted out multiple times. That's one thing. That was pretty predictable. That's one of the only people that I guess you could really could attack on Phoenix. Um, consistently, anyway. Just because of his size, that's probably who you would want it to be. So he's, he's done that. See the step backs going. And that's cool and all. But what do you do about the fact that you are clearly outgunned in terms of bigs? So Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, those are your options against DeAndre Ayton. And it hasn't gone great um on the defensive side of things chris paul gosh he, here's so how we were just talking about tyler hero and how he might need to come uh be a release valve for miami's offense against a really competent defense and how he might end up getting attacked well <laughs> dallas has like that problem fused where i've been saying luca is not like the best defender and when dallas didn't have him that wasn't really that important he might get a block on a fast break sometimes or make an intelligent defensive play but he's also somebody that they will go at because being a not a great defender and b he has to do everything on the offensive end he has to create everything on the offensive end especially in a team uh, a series against a contending team well now chris paul is like yeah lucas it's the third fourth quarter your legs look a little bit wobbly you gotta come here real quick why don't you <laughs> Come, come get the switch. And Paul toyed with him a couple of times in game two. Paul is also able to get to his mid range whenever he wants it. There's not really an acceptable switch. Again, Lucas won, but if it's the big men trying to contain PNR, that's also not working. There's very few bigs in the league really fit to to deal with that if they're if they're um if they're switched onto him or they're in drop, whatever it is, it kind of feeds right into it. Booker is back and healthy, so you're getting his just like, hey, look, I invented a bucket type plays. That's happening. Um, it's it's tough. 
it's tough. Dallas can only swing the ball so many times or create so many open threes before Phoenix's advantages shine through. And I think that's happened both times in, in these games. Even it was more so in game two. Dallas was actually looking like they can get an edge. And I still think there's enough there. There's enough three pointers there. And there's enough Luka Magic that they could probably still get a game or so. Which is why I said Phoenix and six. I figured if Dallas does what they can do to the best of their ability and Luka is is scoring on each and every one of your players, I could see a world where Dallas ends up with one or two. Not four, though. Not four. Not four. Um, they, they are short of big. And this is why I'm not taking a victory lap already. First of all, I enjoy Dallas, but I've been selling people, Dallas fans and whoever else would ask all season. I've never seen them as a legitimate contender. The only time I thought there was going to be a run for them through the West was if Booker's injury had have ended up getting Phoenix first rounded. Then I was thinking, oh, okay, well, Dallas might end up and who knows how they would have matched up with the Pelicans, but I thought there was a road for them to the conference finals then against phoenix this team that doesn't have many holes to begin with and uh a lot of their their strengths are <laughs> where dallas's weaknesses lie like yeah that's it's just you know it, with any contending team i kind of but especially phoenix i felt like that would have been hard for dallas to pull off so um you know dwight powell starting center kleber i guess you can again he had a, a, a hot shooting game one but it once again, this is not Utah. How many Maxi Kleber threes are you going to be able to, to live off of? He hits five or six threes. Okay, cool. What else? What else is working? And how long can you get it to work? There's just a lot that they have to stretch. They really have to make their talent stretch uh, against against this Phoenix team. So um, it's it's really tough. Luka is going to get his and he's probably going to be tired in the second half. And some of those shots aren't going to fall as much. And then I am hard pressed to think that Phoenix is going to stop hunting Luca out at the end of games because that's a Chris Paul he's a you know love him hate him or, or hate him yeah I guess I said <laughs> pretty much hate him or hate him yeah he's he's smart guy smart now you can hate how he basically from what I remember forced Jalen Brunson into that foul last night it, it was really annoying but also dude is just really smart and so the, he'll chill and he'll hit some shots you know, at the beginning of the game and the game might be somewhat in reach by the second half or maybe it even won't be and now Paul will be like alright cool now it's time for me to do my thing how many games has he won like that in this playoff so far I can think of three that he won against the Pelicans off the top of my head and definitely game two that's just what Paul has been doing <laughs> he gets to a certain point and it's just like alright well I'm just gonna go be a vet now and y'all don't have the personnel or scheme to stop this so um say they keep going to the Luka switches in game three or game four and Dallas is just like all right we can't let this happen so you try to hide Luka from it which is not great because trying to hide him from it means that you are going to be making some really rushed rotations which with Chris Paul at the helm is probably going to lead to an open shot that's one thing or two if you end up blitzing or trapping whatever like this is Phoenix we're talking about they're probably going to find probably going to find a way like they're probably going to ball is going to find somebody and they're going to score like it's it's really it's really hard right now and if it comes down to it again not even if it comes down to it like it has come down to it boundary eight and they don't have a single answer jason kidd basically said coming into the series he's he was disrespectful with it but it was true he said hey this is not utah it's not utah uh phoenix big men can put the ball in the basket so whether that's biombo coming off of a pick and roll or whether it's deandre aiden posting up it's just it's not the same so it's a really hard series for Dallas. I don't have much else to say about it. I could see this one actually ending in five. 
um if dallas gets enough energy at home to to make those three stretch and then luca gives you 35 plus maybe they could finesse two of those but i think phoenix is probably gonna end this one because I, I think phoenix is a much better team and so yeah if you follow this podcast long enough you know i have not had dallas as a championship team so this has not come as a surprise enter rudy gobert in a mavericks jersey at the end of uh well actually what, about two months from now <clears throat> i'm kind of bullshitting but i'm kind of not anyways that is for a different day we now take our talents to what has been a very rough series so we can start with golden state and memphis by saying gary payton is out for the foreseeable future i think the report that i saw said at least two weeks but then Steve Kerr also said he's in a brace. He's going to be out for like a long time. So I don't know when they expect Gary Payton back. Dylan Brooks is suspended. He was the one who hurt Gary Payton on some straight dumb shit. So rightful, rightfully suspended. Jermon Green, as I said, has been fine for sticking a middle finger at the crowd. Can't remember exactly the context of that one. I know he was hitting his eye once. Um, that So that might be the same incident. But really, the reason I might be conflating it is because in game one, Draymond was thrown out. But which and he was rightfully thrown out you see an angle where he hit brandon clark in his face and dragged him down yeah he bro, i i don't even really understand what the arguments are about that i've seen people thrown out for less it was a lot of talk about oh it's draymond and that's why he was thrown out he even got on his podcast and said that but looking there's one specific angle they showed because for a while i kind of questioned it and thinking damn did he just act because he probably didn't accidentally or he probably didn't purposely pull him down and maybe he didn't, but still, the one angle that shows the slap and then the, the jersey, it would have been kind of hard to justify not throwing the man out. But they won that game anyways. So that's all the messy that, that's that's all the messy stuff in this series, unless I've uh, forgotten something. Those are the messy parts. Now, the series is tied. After watching Memphis win a series that they probably should have been gentlemen swept in, just based off of what actually happened, a lot of... Uh, a lot of the chatter was well memphis doesn't have anything for golden state and they'll probably be swept or they'll be beaten five they could still be beaten five but the first two games of this series say otherwise um the first two games of this series suggest that they that this is going to be a tough one it's gonna be a tough one for whoever ends up winning it so my pick was golden state in six i will already say i feel less confident in that than i did just going in and looking that part of it was Steph's health and Draymond's health. Another part of it was a PTSD lineup. But if you go back and listen, or if you've been listening to these playoff podcasts, I've asked guests and I've even talked about it on the solo pods and just wondering what the PTSD lineup would look like when it's stress tested. That's the exact words I use because Denver, even then, right there after the first two games, it was never as good as it was in the first two games. But yeah, you use it to end some quarters, you use it to get some flashy plays. However, it was Denver and Austin Rivers was their best defender, their best guard defender. And Jokic, their best best coverage with him was was drop defense, drop coverage. So I was just going, yes, this looks nice and it's cool, but I can't wait to see what it looks like against other and better teams. There's one thing that already doesn't look as good for obvious reasons. It's Jordan Poole and Steph against a team that does have good guard play. Even though Desmond Bain is dealing with a back injury right now. Uh, that's another thing that's messy in the series. I wonder how much that's going to affect it going forward because he's important to their defense and especially their offense. His back injury really probably came from him carrying and backpacking in the Minnesota series. That's, I'm, I'm bullshitting mostly, but yeah, he did a lot there. He did a lot. He was the MVP of that one. And... This matchup 
is is totally different for both teams so being that you have that ptsd lineup that by the way they hadn't even been starting because uh the the matchup was john Morant, and so you're going okay you probably don't want to hand john Morant a backcourt with stefan and pool in it you probably want to look at gary payton who was <laughs> maybe built for that matchup and promptly john Morant has scored 34 points in game one and 47 in game two so we'll get to that and just in overall obviously uh you're dealing with uh, jo- not John Morant, sorry, Jaron Jackson Jr., who's a big body, see Tillman sometimes. It's There was limitations to this Warriors quote-unquote death lineup, and it's being, you know, it, it, when the minutes that it's played so far against Memphis is, has not been great. So that's one thing. But also the defensive scheme. One thing about the Grizzlies, I've been saying, no matter who's on the floor, they these are always good games. And John Morant, is pretty much free he is not playing a team now that whose whole goal is to keep him out of the paint and also Golden state does not have that same personnel that was what i was trying to say i was not trying to say memphis was better or this or that other thing i was just saying minnesota had a great thing and they leaned into it golden state they approach things differently you see wiggins on him sometimes you see thompson on him sometimes what you do not see is full-out attacks (laughs) you don't and it's hard too because you can't have draymond green play 48 minutes and so think about having draymond yeah you could do that sometimes first of all you can have draymond switch onto him fully so that takes away the need to put yourself in position where you're blitzing and guys are having to rotate like that that automatically because that's not something you even want to have to do you remember a lot of the beginning of the memphis and minnesota series memphis guys were not making shots and if they were all of a sudden that looks different and so you don't really want to have to put yourself in that position in the first place but even then okay draymond has got to go sit sometimes and their only other option for bigs is kevon looney that is it and so he's probably not playing with his lateral movement you're not putting him in a scheme to go trap jaw and and such so you see the bodies that they can put on them obviously gary payton is not a thing anymore but they were trying that as well still jaw is jaw and i think a lot of people forgot in round one while his game is raw it has a while to go he's still a great player he was still on the mvp list throughout the year and so he's seen a matchup that has historically been better for him and it's it's been nice so far life has been nice you he's able to get into the paint he's able to one-on-one with guys he's able to get to his spins he's able to get to his layup package whole bunch of stuff you do not see in series one you are now seeing in series two and you saw it a hell of a lot in game two so this is one where i do kind of want to focus on the game some of these series it wasn't as important for me to focus on talking about the games but these have been nice and game one obviously what ends up happening at the end is jaw drives um a couple of times actually first getting blocked by steph that was steph just coming up with the clutch defensive play but they tried a set that was similar to what you saw with Giannis to win the game and um, you, you saw what basically was a setup to get jaw downhill which was smart because you know he can get him into the paint and uh, he has a great touch so they tried that when Giannis did it though it gosh i looked at the setup i did look at the setup Uh, first of all it was the hornet so it's not a great defensive team 
but the setup was basically so it was a it was a one-on-one -on -one thing at the end and Giannis pretty much had a clear runway either way clay thompson gary payton they were completely on top of of what memphis wanted to do uh they were able to you know, basically switch there uh, while jaw was getting ahead of steam and clay was kind of able to take away the lane a little bit and i think he even got a piece of it and so it sends game one home for the warriors after missing two clutch free throws it's insane but yeah insane game one however what did you notice about game one though that was different from pretty much anything in the minnesota series oh is it john morant taking more threes oh is that something i thought was absolutely going to happen yeah it was something i was confused about in series one out of everything that minnesota did and i understand why as the grizzlies and that why is jaw you don't want to settle for threes but i had also been saying damn his three-pointer was average but it was not bad enough that the game plan should be just completely just basically ben simmons him and it wasn't as bad as ben simmons but yeah basically just let him shoot but they were partly obliging by him not taking that many threes so uh gosh what are the tallies now i know he took around 10 threes in game one probably um and maybe 11 in, in game two or 12 either way he took a lot of threes and he's made a good percentage of them as well so it looks closer to some of the shooting nights that I would see in the regular season that scared me. Because when I seen him doing that in the regular season, thinking, damn, he has added this, <laughs> he has really added this to his bag. And it's going to uh, be tough to stop a guy who can drive the way he does if he's fearlessly shooting threes. So, yeah, in his 47 point game, he, had, he was 5 of 12 that game. So it was 12, uh, 12 three point attempts. You got to do that. You have to do that. You have to do that. Otherwise, them having Draymond Green basically sag off of you that works them having let's say i don't know if steph gets switched on to him um and steph is like well yeah he's definitely gonna blow by me or pool either one of those know they're getting blown by and they just want to basically you know give him space so he can drive end up driving in a help that works if he's not gonna shoot threes so i am really happy to see that as a development because that is something i pondered i pondered in the predictions would they actually lean into it more so far he has leaned into it and it's it's burned golden state hell he i believe one of the threes in game two ended up taking the lead they've been in clutch moments it's really looked closer to what i thought of him as a three-point shooter so on one hand yeah you you prefer it but on the other that's uh that's a weapon that he can use and these first two games he has used it so i expect to see him keep taking these again draymond was only suspended for that game so he will be back if draymond is is sagging off of you you're probably not going to drive into the chest or drive by him most of the times that's it's it's gonna be really it's gonna be really tough so glad to see he's opening the floor up for himself that way dylan brooks being out <laughs> very interesting because the running joke is that he plays for golden state yeah he just has a ridiculous green light and you saw that in game one um a lot of his shot decisions are very quick they are sometimes erratic and just flat out weird and it sucks because that's also the guy that you're looking to chase steph curry around so on one hand super green light bad shots a lot of the times in the playoffs so far <clears throat> it's not been, it really just has not been a great playoffs for dylan brooks overall so is that but you do kind of need him out there though possibly that's what's going to be answered in in the next game he's suspended just for one game as far as we know uh, one game can make all the difference and so we'll see what happens because chasing stuff around 
in game one was i would say it was pretty solid he was also missing looks that you would see stuff make which is seems like a damn theme now i feel like i said that a million times throughout this season but um also having having a big body and dylan brooks chasing you around is is you know it's a it's the best you can do it's the best you can do and now you don't have that so i'm interested to see who they'll be starting in his place and yeah, this is a this is gonna be an interesting one, man. It's gonna be an interesting one. Um, for those of y'all that listen to the pod, you always have my predictions, so uh, that that's great because before the playoffs started, the reason I do the predictions round by round right now and not not uh, I didn't just do an entire bracket and stick to it is because of things like have happened to Joel Embiid, because of things that have happened to Gary Payton, because of the suspensions, because of what happened to Dallas in the first round. That's why I always go, yeah, that's just more or less a, a puncher's thing. Like you're basically gambling with those. But anyways, yeah, in the second round, before the playoffs started, before I knew what Steph's health was, before I knew it, anything of what playoff Golden State was going to look like, I said, yeah, Memphis, I, I would choose. Initially, I would choose Memphis. Seeing how both of them played in the first round, I was going, yeah, okay, there's some there's some things about Memphis and their experience um, and, and with how Golden State looks. Yeah, Golden State in six. So that's cool. And it has mostly played out. So far, it's still played out. I would not, even though I'm less confident in, in it, I would not say I would change that. Um, in game one, there was one rotation probably with under two minutes left that resulted in... Gosh, I can't remember who it was, but it was a wide open bucket for Golden State. And Dylan Brooks, I think, was yelling at somebody. John Morant was yelling at somebody. It was just kind of chaos. But to have a lapse like that against a team like Golden State at the end of the game is just damn. Sometimes you forget. Again, this is still a young team. And so that definitely factors into to part of you know what I was thinking about. After I watched them in that Minnesota series, basically, I was just talking about the playoff bracket. I know after game one, once again, Memphis was due to get swept. So people were like, oh, you picked Memphis to beat them? I was like, oh, no, I actually didn't. I picked Golden State to win in six. But yeah, before everything started and before the playoffs started, yeah, I thought Memphis could could maybe get them if Steph was reeling, which so far I don't think he is. I don't think anything is, is really injury related at this point. So, yeah, I still got Golden State in this one, but... I would just hang my hat on saying that it's going to be a competitive series. I think a lot of y'all gave up on Memphis. I think a lot of people gave up on Memphis totally after their their uh them limping out of of Minnesota, which would have sh- should have been a seven game series. Going forward, um, yeah, again, suspensions and injury affecting this. I am really really interested now to see how they approach jaw because on one hand you know again wiggins thompson but also having gary payton out there gary payton hell he's an important as a cutter for that golden state team too it's not just his defense but you know that you don't even have that main uh defender to go to i'm really interested to see how how that changes things because having um well, wiggins on him full-time or clay on him full-time and then when one of them is on the bench or hell if if both of them end up going to the bench it's just going to be interesting to see because he's already had two successful games and it's probably not going backwards at this point. This is just what it looks like when John Morant plays Golden State. So, yeah, basically at the uh, end of this bracket, we've got two competitive series. <laughs> After I did the hype up at the beginning of the podcast talking about the parody and whatnot. Yeah, Phoenix is, is in my opinion, a lot better than Dallas. So that one is probably going away. The injuries have... Uh, yeah, bless South Beach, but Golden State, Golden State, Memphis, Milwaukee, Boston. Super interested to see where these go. Unfortunately, tomorrow's uh, matchups are going to be 
Miami, Philly, and Phoenix and Dallas, which seem to be at least one of those are definitely foregone conclusions. So let me know what you think about these series. How has your opinion changed on these? Uh, where do you see them going? And yeah, by the time I come back for the next podcast, we should be done with at least one of the series. We should have a conference final set up and that'll be fun to be digging into that. Um, let me know your thoughts on the suspensions and the injuries and how that'll affect things, all that good stuff. Make sure to rate, make sure to hit the like button. This podcast is significantly shorter now because there's way less teams to talk about, but it's been fun. It has been fun as it has been pretty much this entire playoffs. I will see y'all on the next watch party and I will see y'all on the next pod.